0: Good evening everyone, it is good to be together this evening. I was told that I have two topics tonight, Samson, the snare of moral temptation for the youth and also David, the heartache of adultery for adult men. And so we're going to cover both of those topics very briefly. Because when you, when you look at it, there's so much could be shared and, and uh, we're not going to get to cover nearly everything that could be covered. But we want to think about the heartache of adultery and also the snare of moral temptation. The two, two main reasons that marriages fail are money and Adultery. Uh, you, we, we hear that a lot, and it's, it's very true. Uh, a few weeks ago, Leon and I, and a few, maybe some more of you, were at Caleb and Tiffany's wedding down at Fairview, and they made a very inter- interesting point, and that was that Caleb and Tiffany had all four sets of their grandparents there in attendance and combined they had over 200 years of marital bliss i hope think about that four sets of grandparents and over 200 years of, of marriage that's uh, that is amazing and that's what a what a legacy to have and what an example to have of uh, of godly grandparents the world which we live in today, we know that it is, it's quite different than that. I wanna think about uh, just a little bit, the, the three things that excite the most, excite the passion in men. We're men, what are the three things that, that excite the most passion in us? Uh, the first one might not, you might not, religion, you think about, uh, you look at Islam and, uh, and a lot of the uh, cults in the world and, and men get very passionate about them and it's God's will that you and I would be very passionate about Christianity about our relationship with the Lord. So that's one of them. Another one of them is money, the mighty dollar. People kill for it. And the third one is, is our sexuality. So it's money, religion, and our sexuality are the three things that excite the most passion in men. And you don't have to be around any man very long until you'll discover what's, what he's excited about and what, what he's passionate about. And most times it'll, it'll be in, in one of those categories. Uh, I, you, I've, sometimes I, I read something, something happens, maybe there's a murder or something, you, you see it in the news, you read it in the newspaper, and uh, sometimes this thought goes through my mind. Well, it's either drugs or money or women or maybe all three, and it usually is. It's, it's amazing, but it's, it's those items that those areas that men generally uh, fall in. So our focus tonight is on one of those, and it's on our sexuality. Our sexuality is a gift from God, it's it's not something to be ashamed of. It's something to be embraced. It's something to to understand. It's a gift from God. God made us this way. Uh, it wasn't our choice. But unsanctified sexuality has the potential to cause a lot of heartaches, and we see that in the world in which we live. Unsanctified sexuality. Uh, and, and the Bible talks about it. We'll look at some verses tonight that that talk about that very thing. Turn in your Bibles to First Thessalonians chapter four. 1 Thessalonians chapter four. This is God's desire for for you and I and for the sexuality that that he blessed us with. First Thessalonians chapter four in the first uh, five verses. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as you have received of us how ye ought to walk and please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence. I oh, always struggle with that word. Even as the Gentiles, which know not God. And so you have the contrast here between verses 4 and, and verse 5. And he says, Don't be like the Gentiles. But know how to possess your vessel in sanctification and, and honor, whether you're single or whether you're married. Know how to control and to handle this gift of sexuality that God has, has blessed you with. I'd like to read these verses in the, from the Berean Study Bible, different translation. Finally, brothers, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus to live in a way that is pleasing to God as you have received from us. This is how you already lived, so you should do so all the more. For ye know the instructions we gave you by the authority of Jesus. For it is God's will that you should be holy. You should abstain from sexual immorality. Each of you must know how to control his own body in holiness and honor not in the lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God, and no one should ever violate or exploit his brother in this regard, because the Lord will avenge all such acts as we have already told you and solemnly warn you, for God has not called us to impurity, but to holiness. Anyone who rejects this command does not reject man, but God the very one who has given you his Holy Spirit. So, very, very clear teaching in the New Testament on the importance of you and I controlling this gift of sexuality that God has blessed us with. Now, tonight we're thinking about two Old Testament characters and... We, you and I don't live in the Old Testament era. We live under the New Testament dispensation and this dispensation of grace. So things are differently. David had multiple wives. Uh, none of us have multiple wives or have any ambitions to do that. The New Testament clearly teaches that we are to have one wife. But we live, we, we live under a different standard than they did in the Old Testament. And what, what's, the, what's the New Testament standard for you and I? What, is, what does it say in the Sermon on the Mount? Leon, you were reading there tonight. What's the New Testament, New Testament standard for you and I, when it, especially thinking in the area of, of idolatry? Doesn't Jesus say, but I say unto you, for a man to even look upon a woman, he has already committed idolatry with her in his heart. And so... That really when 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 you, when we read that as men, we realize the seriousness of it, and we realize that there's there's not a one of us has any bragging rights on on our mora- morality and, and uh, maybe yeah, maybe we haven't committed the act of of idolatry, but in our hearts I would venture to say that each one of us has has fallen in that area. And so. It is a very serious thing, and we are the New Testament holds us to a very high standard that we are to achieve to have. One of the important common threads between Samson and David's downfall, uh, I hope you read both of these. I'm not planning on spending a lot of time in, in the book tonight. Maybe at the end we will, if we have time, look at some of the questions. but Uh, one of the very important common threads between Samson's and David's downfall. Uh, Let me read from from, uh, the account of Samson. It says, he went down to Timnath, saw a woman and she pleased him well. And in the case of David, it says, he saw a woman washing herself and she was beautiful to look upon. So femininity uh, there's there's something about femininity that men enjoy looking at there's something uh women do something to we're attracted to women uh their bodies their hair their eyes uh, many the, their voice they have uh there's something about uh femininity that attracts us as men god designed it that way uh and, but, but we need to be aware of that, and we need to understand that. And so when you think about David and Samson, and it was, it was this looking thing that got them both into trouble. They looked, and they thought about it, and they said, David said, boy, she's beautiful. I want her. And Samson's like, I, this girl's attractive. I, I, I want this woman. She pleases me. And he's just looking at her. But he, he comes to the conclusion that, that this girl pleases me. And we know the story of Samson. It didn't turn out very well. She, didn't, uh, she was not good material. His, his parents weren't, uh, weren't very excited about it either and tried to discourage him from it. But they looked and they saw and they, and they wanted. The Bible tells us that, that we are allowed one willing woman to be married to. And it also tells us until death doeth us part. In the marriage vows, uh, our marriage vows, we said this, forsaking all others, I keep myself only unto her as long as we both shall live. So that is a, a vow that we made before God, it's a commitment, one man, one woman, for life, until death doeth us part. Now, thinking about, and this is for the youth, uh, and it's for all of us, but I think it really applies to the youth, thinking about Samson and the trouble that he got into, uh, something that we must always remember, and that is uh, the the old saying, beauty is but skin deep. Probably your parents told you that often, Beauty's just skin deep. Don't ever forget that, you know. And that is, there's, there's an element of truth to that. And the Bible teaches us uh, time and time again that we are to look to the, to the inward character of a person and not the outward. And David and Samson both got into so much trouble looking at the outward Let's go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter and chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning, of plating of the hair and of wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. And... Proverbs. Let's go to Proverbs and the uh, last chapter in Proverbs. Proverbs 31. As we think about uh, a godly woman and what it is that, that God is pleased with and what, what we should be as men should be looking for. Proverbs 31. Uh, I'm not going to read all these verses, but let me start here at verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Uh, Those of us who are married, what a what a blessing if we have a wife that we can trust in. And we just we trust her. We're, 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 We're not concerned. That she's going to run off with some other guy, we're not concerned that she's going to cheat on us, that she's not going to be faithful to her marriage vows, and that is that's that's just very precious and there's a lot of men don't have that they' they're suspicious of their they don't trust their wives what's what's she doing? where's she at, and this type of thing and so it's a uh, her price is far above rubies, and you. Oh, we're going to go down here to the end. Verse 30. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. And this whole chapter is just really neat as you read through it, talking about a, a, what, a, what a godly woman looks like and how she acts. And how she's a blessing to her husband. She's out there providing for her family, and and all of these things that, that she does. Uh, verse 28: her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. And so here we have a, a picture of a godly woman. Point that is that you often heard this too, and it, it bears repeating. And that is that love is a choice. Samson made a choice. Love is a choice. It is uh, some, you, you hear about two people, oh, they just fell, fell in love with each other and, and what have you, and it's like, it's like there's nothing you can do about it. And if you, you know, it's just like it's just providence. Either you, you meet somebody that you can fall in love with or what have you. But love, is a, a choice, and it's important that that young people choose carefully. Uh, today, there's uh, there's things today that uh, many of us never had to deal with. And one of them is online dating, and I I marvel some people. Some people do online dating, and they get married, and it seems to work out, and, and yet it's a scary thing to do. It's a scary scary way to go to, uh, to look for a spouse. And there's, there's I just read an article just the last week in the paper about uh, uh, sexual transmitted diseases are just going through the roof in, in Hawaii, and they said they traced it back to, the, to online dating and the, how easy it is for people to hook up and, and diseases are just running rampant because of it. And so it's, it's just a, a really dangerous, dangerous thing to do and so much better to uh, have God lead you to someone that uh, in, in a more traditional manner. Church is a wonderful place to meet people or, or there's, there's various places you, that people can meet but pray about it and allow God to, to lead you to a life uh, partner. Another thing that I, that I think we're going to be talking about idolatry later, and there's, there's no question that a young person that is promiscuous and is involved in various relationships with various people as a young person and we, the, the college scene, and it doesn't have to be this way, but a lot of young people go off to college and they are sexually active with lots of people. And then they get, they come home and they get married, and guess what? Uh, after a few months or years, they just, it, it's, it's in the excitement of, of various partners and, and it, it leads to the temptation to commit adultery and, and it's something they they did as, as a young person. They're used to it and, and uh, it goes hand in hand. And I think a lot of people that, that are involved in idolatry, the pattern was set as a young person in being very promiscuous. Sets one up to be unfaithful in marriage. So, young people, uh, choose a partner very, very carefully. Look beyond the look beyond the outward appearance and look at a person's character it's very very important and I I I said earlier love is a choice I've been amazed and I've seen this uh, especially in with with olive branch how many people uh, met on the mission field and developed a relationship and ended up getting married And one of the things, one of the things that happened was maybe they're, they're teaching together in a school and they're just, they're just interacting with each other in a, in in a setting like that. And they learn to know each other and a relationship develops and they, they decide to love each other. And it's, it's the way God intends it to work and love is, is a choice. I, I dare dare venture to say that a godly man, a godly woman uh almost if 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 they were if they were to spend a lot of time together, both single, that it would it it would just be very, very possible that they would would decide to to love each other you s- see each other's strong points and what have you, and so wonderful things uh happen many times when people work together and relationship develops and next thing you know, they're caring about each other in a romantic way. So it's very important. Uh, when I read the story of Samson, I had to think of a, of a man that I know and, uh, know him for many years, he's, he's divorced and has some children. And he, he told me his life story some, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. And he said, uh, he said, I, I was dating this girl and my parents were opposed to it. And they told me, don't do it, don't do it. She's, I, we, she's, she's uh, we were really concerned about this, about your relationship with her. And he was not living for the Lord at the time and neither was, neither was the woman. Anyways, they, they ended up getting married, had a few children and she was unfaithful to him and ended up getting a divorce and so he he lives his life as a divorced man with a family, children are grown now and he's an old man and he just reflecting on, on all the pain that he experienced in life and this is what he told me, if only I'd have listened to my parents, if only I would have listened to them. They saw it, I didn't see it, I was looking, she was a beautiful girl and I thought this, is, this everything will work out, and everything did not work out, and he experienced so much pain because of it. Now, I want to talk about the heartache of adultery. Uh, I believe that we must actively guard against it in a world that in many ways glorifies it. Hollywood glorifies it. Uh, cheating on your spouse uh, it's its glorified in, in many ways uh, there's so many I mean divorce and remarriage is just so common it's just happening uh, all the time right now uh, Eric Trump is it Eric or is it, is it maybe it's not maybe it's Donald Trump Jr. one of them is, is uh, divorced from his wife and, and with a girlfriend running around uh, promoting his father's agenda and what have you and uh has what five of his own children or something like that and and yet is is with this girlfriend and just just very very sad you look look at the at at uh how many how many situations are like that and the world doesn't blink an eye to them it's normal uh for somebody to get divorced and have a girlfriend and Maybe get remarried, maybe not get remarried, but it's, it's the whole thing is just, uh, it is not the way God designed it at all. So how do we, how do we guard against uh, committing idolatry in a world that glorifies it? First of all, it starts in our minds. It starts right up here. It's where it starts. And number one, my baptismal vows to God. Number two... My marriage vows to my spouse and to God. I will not. I, I will be true. I will be faithful. And it, that's, that's where it, it starts. And then it comes down to am I going to be a person of integrity? And I, am I going to keep those vows which I made? And then after, after uh, we have that in our mind and we have our hearts set. On not committing adultery, then it needs to extend into into my practice uh, in the workplace. And I grew up in a in a time when you you heard a lot of uh, of milkman jokes, if you know what they are. It's like uh, people say, oh, you, you know, the baby looks like the milkman more than you, and that type of thing. But it's it's really not a joke because I know people that have committed adultery with the milkman. And so, the, what happens is, uh, the milkman comes to pick up milk every two days, and if the wife is in the barn, and the husband's not, and she chats with him every two days, and after a while, uh, they, they get to know each other very well, and bad things can happen. And it can be, I know, bosses who uh, f- fell into an idolatrous relationship with their secretaries. So in the workplace, regardless of, of if you're on a farm or if you're, if you're working in a, in a business, whether it's the milkman or a secretary, whether it's uh, maybe you're a person that eats out a lot and you sit at the counter and the waitress is there and you see the same waitress day after day. And you need to really guard yourself against developing a relationship with, with a woman in, in any one of those situations. And, and we all find ourselves in, in different situations. But when a relationship starts to develop, you're headed for trouble. And I am a, I, I am a strong believer in, in being very, very careful and cautious with the opposite sex. Tonight in the way here one of the one of the lights turned yellow on me and I, I had to and I went went through the yellow light. It wasn't red yet. But I had to think of, of in our in dealing with the opposite sex, we have to understand uh, when when a light is yellow and when when you detect that you enjoy spending time with this woman or you enjoy uh, you just uh, you're looking forward to seeing them today and you tease around, joke around, what have you. be very, very careful because it can be very dangerous when a relationship develops and it can it can be devastating don't put yourself into a position where you can easily fall and one of, one of the signs is when, uh, when you find yourself uh, complaining about or talking about some of the negative things in your marriage relationship with somebody of the opposite sex, uh, be very, very careful. You're headed for really big trouble. And we need, to, we need to understand that and we need to guard ourselves from those types of, of situations. Pornography. <laughs> Is viewing pornography is, is that committing adultery? Uh, today, por- porn is so readily available. Uh, Internet's just it's just all over the place. It's so readily available. Is is that a step towards committing adultery, or is it committing adultery? If if I were to walk into my home and I were to catch my wife viewing, a, a viewing pornography uh, on the internet, I would feel very betrayed. I would feel very, be- I'd be hurt. And so it's, it should be the same for her. I'm sure it would be if she would catch me viewing pornography. And so in, in my mind, uh, if, if I'm going to be viewing pornography in a, in a real sense, I'm committing adultery against my wife. I'm betraying our trust. I am, I've am i crossed a boundary that uh, should not be crossed. Not only am I sinning against God, I'm also sinning against my wife. So porn is very, very dangerous. I believe it's, it, for many people it's the first step towards committing uh, physical idolatry with, with another with another person, and it's just it, it, it's something that people find themselves trapped in. be very, very careful of it. Another one is is prostitutes. You and I grew up many of us, most of us in in, this, in the settings that we grew up in we're not probably uh, maybe we heard of, either heard of or had friends that drove truck and they talk about the prostitutes at truck stops and, or they're at a rest area and there's a, there's a prostitute uh, pounding on their window and, and uh, wanting to sell themselves and, and this type of thing. And that happens all the time. It's very real. Uh, we Marion and I were at a convention a few years ago in Las Vegas and I was just sick to my gut the way they just advertise prostitution on the streets. I mean, they drive these trucks up and down the streets at night, as soon as it's getting towards dark. And uh, here's the number. Call. Have, have you. We'll have send ladies to your room. Prostitution is just very, very disgusting. And so they're in the street corners in town. You, if you know where to go in Lebanon or Reading or Lancaster, I'm sure you can find a prostitute on a street corner. They're in truck stops. They're all over. But then there's also, uh, I know people that have got caught up in this, and I, I simply call it high-class professional prostitutes. Do you know what they are? Do you know that when there's a, uh, yeah, I can't even say it, the, the Super Bowl, when, when there's a Super Bowl they send prostitutes into that city wherever the Super Bowl is held they send hundreds of prostitutes in there because they know there's a lot of people coming to town to watch the football game and they do that but they also they also send prostitutes to if there's a, a business convention in in some town where there's a, where there's a lot of uh, wealthy business owners coming whether it's a any type of a, of a business convention, many times there will be professional prostitutes there working that convention and you go in and where most of them meet is after, in the evening you go into the bar and there's, there's women in there that are professional prostitutes. They're not dressed like a trashy prostitute but they're there and they have one thing in their minds and it's getting into the pocketbook of some wealthy men and selling themselves for a lot of money, and I personally know people that have got caught up. They they didn't even know that it was a prostitute that they ended up committing adultery with. And and those those prostitutes are professional. They know exactly what they're doing. They know how to get into a. They know how to how to work a man and and uh, and and have them fall. And you read through Proverbs, and it talks about how. Uh, how sly prostitutes can be, that is very, very true, and it's something that you should be very careful of. And so if you're traveling and you're doing it without your wife and you're off in some faraway city at some business convention, be very, very careful. Proverbs 23, 27, and 28 say, For a whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait as for prey, and increaseth the transgressors, among men. Let's go to Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 5. Some of these verses, I believe, are in, in the book. But Proverbs 5 1 through 6. My son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. And so here you, it just, what a description. Uh, that it gives us. Then you go to chapter 6, Proverbs, and we don't have time, but the, the chapter 6, let's go to verse 23. For the commandment is a lamp and the light is a, and the law is light and reproofs of instructions are the way of life to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a strange woman, lest not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. Do you ever notice that I know I know some ladies that I, I I can't even look at them hardly. There, there's just something about their eye, and they they want to make eye contact, and they and uh, I love making eye contact with my wife. I'm very careful making eye contact with other women, and here the Bible talks about it. Uh, be very very careful. Uh, a woman can take you with her her eyelids, and. Verse 32, but whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. Uh, And then also chapter 7, and uh, let's just, let's go to the end of chapter, verse 22 he goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteneth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of the, my mouth. Let not thine heart decline her ways, go not astray in her past, for she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. We, we read these verses, and, and uh, it just paints a, paints a horrible picture of, of a prostitute and a man that commits adultery with, with, a, with any woman. Uh, the heartache of adultery. And we see in the story of David that it's, it was accompanied by so many other sins. So he commits idolatry, and now, it, uh, now he's lying, now he's murdering, and it just, goes, it just keeps getting, it just goes from one thing to the next. One of the things that we as men need to, need to totally understand, and that is that... Uh, you know, sin is sin, but the sin of adultery is very tragic, and one of the, one of the things that's so bad about and so serious about adultery is that it is so hard to confess. It is so hard to to make right. Uh, I, I two stories of of men that I I knew. One of them is is not living anymore, but this, this one man was, was in, went to church all his life and he was, for lack of better words, he was miserable. He would, he would come to business meeting and uh, if something, something he, he, was, he was always contentious. and the, the, He wasn't happy about anything. Nothing was right. Everything was, was just, he was just miserable. And so, you know, you can, you can after a while say, well, maybe this is just his nature and what have you. Anyways. Uh, and he's, he's dead and gone probably 20 years, but on, on his deathbed, he confessed to having committed adultery. in, the, in a, as I recall the story, in the first year of his, marriage, of his marriage, he committed adultery, and hid it until he's an old, old man and on his deathbed, and he said, I have to make it right, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, Tell, tell your young men to never, ever commit adultery. He said, I, I, I have lived a miserable life. That's what he said. I've lived a miserable life all his life. He, and he, he just felt like he, he, could not, he could not confess to his wife. And then later had a family and children. He, said, hey, he just couldn't bring himself to confess it. And so he hid it and lived a miserable life. And on his deathbed, he's like, you know, I can't die this way. And he and he finally confesses this, and and uh, just just what what a what a tragedy. And another man that I that I know committed idolatry early on in his marriage, and hid it for many 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 years, many years. And. He, he, he finally came, he, he cleared it up with God and his, his spouse and everything, and, uh, and straightened his life out, Praise God for that. And this is, this is what he said. He said, uh, I, I just could not bring myself to do it, and I kept, I kept praying and praying, God, forgive me, please forgive me, but he, I could not find forgiveness. Why couldn't he find forgiveness? He, he had he hurt his wife tremendously he couldn't it, it was it was until you're when you're really serious you're going to confess it to your wife. He sinned against her he sinned against God and so just just that just that prayer of uh, God forgive me and and okay now everything's good uh-uh and so for many years, lived a miserable life, couldn't bring... And so that, that's one of the reasons that adultery is so, so... You know, you and I can say something that's not truth for something, and, and we can go, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that, or say something unkind, that's, I'm sorry about that. But when it comes to idolatry, and we have a spouse to confess it to, maybe we have children that are gonna find out about our unfaithfulness, the church family. And so it becomes so difficult to do it. And yet, it's the only way to find release and to find true forgiveness. And so that's, that's one of the reasons that it is so, causes, uh, it's just very terrible to, uh, hard for somebody to come to a place of genuine repentance and to, to ask forgiveness. The other, when it comes to idolatry, and you think about the heartache, and you look at the life of David, yeah, there was so many things he, he had to deal with. There were, there were consequences. There was lots and lots of consequences. And it's the same way with, uh, when, some, when somebody commits idolatry. The consequences are there, cannot be escaped, and have to, they, they have to be dealt with. Some of the questions, and we're running out of time very quickly, but some of the questions under the uh, the account of David there. What are are some tactics that Satan uses today to break down moral purity and reserve? We touched on some of that. What can we do to protect our youth from unwholesome social relationships? What are some pointers for restoring a man who has fallen into moral failure And I wanna be perfectly clear that there is restoration. I know people have fallen into adultery, they've been restored, they're living victorious lives. The blood of Jesus will cleanse a person. Uh, Even the sin of adultery is is not beyond the, the blood of Jesus. And so, yes, there is restoration there. Number four, I thought was a very interesting question. Does marriage make moral purity easier? or more difficult think about that one I don't know I got married when I was 18 so I'm not sure (laughs) wasn't single real long but does marriage make moral purity easier or more difficult I uh, a man said something to me long long time ago after he was, and he was not living for the Lord, but after he, he grew up in a Mennonite family, and after he was married for a couple years, he said to me, boy, if I would have known when I was a teenager what I know now, I, could, I you know, in other words, what he was saying was, I was innocent, but now I've experienced a physical relationship. Boy, if I'd be single again, I could really... And he went on, as you can guess, and, and fell into idolatry and, and many evil things later on. But so in a sense, in a sense, being married, uh, we, in a sense, lose our innocence and are, are open and understand what a marriage relationship is all about, and maybe makes it uh, in, in a sense... Uh, more more easy in some ways to fall into an ungodly relationship with somebody or to commit adultery. Uh, there's uh, something that i uh, that I firmly believe, and that is that and i 've talked to men already that are struggling your uh, person is married, and you know something else I discovered already, and that is that uh, you know, sometimes sometimes guys can have uh, just a beautiful wife, and you would think, "Wow, they really, they really they got they got a beautiful wife," and a couple years later, they're struggling, struggling with pornography or struggling with with what have you, and it's like uh, lustful thoughts. I went far away to to another church one time for revival meetings. And a young pastor, probably married 10 years or something like that, confessed to me, I just just am struggling tremendously with lustful thoughts towards other people. And I want to have victory over it. I don't know. what, What What would you tell somebody? What would you tell a person like that? What do you tell them? You know what I told them? I said... Uh, and and I, I, I looked at his, his family, and they had a, probably three, four young children, and I, was, I thought, you know, probably his v- wife is very busy taking care of the family, and it's not like their courtship was, and she's, she has lots of work and what have you. But this is what I told him. I said, get your mind off of yourself, get your mind on your wife that you married and made vows to, and, and love your wife. If you're struggling with lust, you're, you're focused on yourself rather than focused on your wife and focused on your relationship with God. Get your mind off yourself, focus on God, focus on your wife and love her. And that'll probably start with helping her with the children and, and doing things for her. But, you know, it just re- remind me of David and uh, sitting around and being in, enjoying the leisure and looking at something that he shouldn't have been looking at. And so if you and I are struggling with lust, we probably have too much free time and we're not focused on what we should be focused on. We have a lovely wife to love. Let's love them the way they deserve to be loved. Any questions or... Uh, we could talk for days. Or think about this topic for days. Questions or forever hold your peace. It's okay, briefly, but I'm. I'm, and sometimes, sometimes I don't even think about it. But sometimes, sometimes a a woman just has. There's something about some women's eyes that are just like, yeah, I just have, to, I just can't hold long eye contact. Yeah, but no, brief. No, and it's sometimes I get uncomfortable and think. Uh, anyone else? If you're single and you're looking for a wife, make sure you find a godly wife. If you're married, go home and love your wife.